0: Welcome to this new episode of the Smart and Sustainable City podcast.
1: Today we talk with Chris Shannon. If we plug our technology into a standard 50 kilometer long fiber optic cable, in real time we can listen to and analyze all of the vibrations happening around every meter of that cable. So we've essentially turned it into 50,000 individual microphones. Chris is the
0: CEO of FOTEC, a company which was recently acquired by BP as part of their Launchpad initiative. FOTEC has developed some unique sensing technology based on fiber optics sensing, which was initially developed for the energy industry and which is now being applied to smart cities. FOTEC's distributed acoustic sensing technology combines fiber optic sensing with artificial intelligence. It helps cities gain real-time insights into their environment. It senses the fiber optics that have already been deployed or which are planning to be deployed along pipes, roads, rail, or secured perimeters such as airport or other sensitive areas. With Chris, we explore many smart city use cases, whether cities are trying to better control water pipe leaks or improve their mobility or security.
1: I'm Chris Shannon, chief executive of uh, FOTEC, which is a sensing and analytics company, uh, part of the BP uh, Launchpad uh, accelerator program. And you live in the
0: UK, just outside of London, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I live uh, very rural uh, between London and Oxford.
0: So with all the changes that are happening in cities, it pushes cities to better understand their environment and to sense what is going on. And Fotech Technologies has some unique ability to provide some of those capabilities. Tell us a little bit more about uh, FOTEC and what you do.
1: Sure. So um, we are, at its core, a, a distributed acoustic sensing company. We utilize fiber optics, standard communication fiber optic cables that is already embedded throughout the city, and we turn those fiber optic cables into real-time vibration sensors. So if we plug our technology into a standard 50-kilometer-long fiber optic cable, in real time, we can listen to and analyze all of the vibrations that are happening around every meter Uh, Of that cable. So we've essentially turned it into 50,000 individual microphones. Uh, And and, uh, software uh, and artificial intelligence is able to convert the vibrations that we pick up into activities. We can tell you there are footsteps here, there's a vehicle moving, uh, there's a mechanical digger uh, digging down into the ground. And classically, um, over the past 10 years, we've been deploying this technology on pipelines, on utilities, on railways. Uh, and international borders, fence perimeters around um, secure areas to uh to provide security integrity monitoring uh, so pipelines for example we uh, we can locate the vibrations created by a leak and alert the owner of that pipeline uh, to the leak, locate it to within five to ten meters accuracy uh, across a hundred kilometers of pipeline within less than a minute of, of that leak occurring. Uh, we can detect people digging down to the pipeline, either accidentally unaware that there's a pipeline or utility beneath the ground, uh, or if they're intending to um, to steal product from the pipeline, and again, prevent uh, the, the damage and losses that might occur from that, protecting the environment and protecting the assets of the operator.
0: So this could be obviously a oil or a gas pipeline, but this could also be a water pipeline or a sewage uh, pipeline. Different yeah. type of pipelines could be.
1: To, to, totally, any any um any pipeline carrying carrying a pr- a product, and and in some areas, water could be argued to be even more valuable uh, than than oil, for example. Um, and and is uh, you know frequently stolen um, if not uh, damaged. You know if we look at the aging infrastructure in the UK, the amount of water that's leaking out of pipelines um, and the consequent damage that comes from that and uh, the, the losses to the operators.
0: You also have some technology that monitors cables, right? And there are plenty of cables that come in or that go out of cities that connect mm-hmm. the city uh, above the ground or below the ground.
1: Mm. So it's the same technology. Uh, wherever a fiber optic can be run, whether it's inside uh, an HV cable, whether it's a fiber optic communication cable, or whether it's a cable running alongside a perimeter or a pipeline, it's the fiber that is the sensor for us, or array of sensors. Um, and so, any vibrations happening around that fiber optic cable, uh, we can we can pick up and analyze. So if we're looking for breakdown. A voltage in, in in a power network, we can locate that to within ten meters. Uh, if we're looking for fluids moving through pipelines, or in the simplest level, if we're just protecting the tele- telecoms infrastructure itself uh, from incursion through, uh, you know, accidental damage through road maintenance that's happening and damage cables. Um, so yeah, anything where the fiber optic can be running alongside, we can we can pick up those signals and inform. Uh, the owners of those assets, whether it's about security uh, or integrity or preventive maintenance.
0: I see on your website, FOTech.com, that you also have some use cases applicable to rail. And uh, city mass transit is increasingly dependent on rail and buses and trams. Uh, Tell us a little more about those.
1: So we use the uh, the fiber optic cable that's running alongside uh, the railway or the tram system. And at the simplest level, uh, just detecting where those trains or, or vehicles are. Uh, we, we've we've had a system running in uh, in Calgary, uh, in Canada, where our software team are based for the last couple of years, um, and can very accurately see exactly where the trams are on that network. And even with all the GPS connectivity um, the, 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 that they've had on those assets, Uh, Given the problems of urban canyoning and uh, some of the the issues you get with accuracy around GPS, it's the first time that they've ever been able to see in real time where each of those trains are uh, to within a few metres accuracy all all the time. And that informs um, efficiencies of people getting on and off those systems. Um, Also, downtown Calgary, there's a a freight line uh, that runs through the city. Um, And there is no connectivity between the owners of of the freight trains that run on that service and the people that run transportation in the city. So for the first time, we're able to give them an indication uh, that one of these freight trains is coming. Uh, These trains can close crossings for 20, 30 minutes um, with with the, uh, the consequential congestion and big problems on major commercial transportation routes. And with the information, uh, in real time of that train approaching, it gives them time to reroute traffic around other areas of the city and keep traffic moving, uh, which is hugely important for the economics of the city.
0: So you help improve the mobility of the city uh, that way. You were, you, were referring, you were referring to earlier uh, about some use cases linked to security, and you were talking about uh, border control. Uh, hmm. But I understand you also have some use cases linked to airports, security. Uh, is, is this the same technology?
1: Yeah, absolutely the same. Once again, it's the fiber optic cable. So um, imagine the fiber optic cable uh, strung uh, along a fence around a perimeter, whether it could be an international border, but let's, let's uh, imagine uh, an airport as an example. Um, the vibrations that that fiber optic cable is picking up can alert to someone either cutting the fence, climbing over the fence, Uh, leaning ladders up against the fence to climb over, or indeed digging under the fence. Uh, And and again, we can locate that in real time to within less than 10 metres accuracy on on, on a perimeter that could be up to 50 uh, 50 kilometres long. The important point about this is that the fibre optic cable is the sensor and it is everywhere along that cable. Um, And so a point sensor, if we think about a, a CCTV, Um, or a point-mounted vibration sensor. Uh, These things need power to them. Uh, They need some kind of communication to get that information back from that point sensor to a central place. Um, With the fiber optic cable, there's no power required. The the sensing interrogation where we send the pulses of laser light down the fiber uh, to receive the backscatter, which gives us the information we receive, is all central. So there's no power in the field. Uh, To a vastly reduced energy consumption in terms of sensing, and yet gives you sensing everywhere along or around that asset uh, 24-7.
0: So you're not dependent on energy, and if there's a power failure in a particular area, as long as there's a fiber optic cable that goes through that area, you're able to monitor what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And no problem with getting the information back, because that is all received centrally as well, without power in the field.
0: So this seems to be a really super high tech technology, and I, I would understand that you know major cities are are, are using it, and I, and I understand that you're present in in twenty five or that your solution is used in twenty five countries. Yeah. Um, how how has the adoption of that technology been over the past years?
1: so the the adoption on what uh, what I might call industrial assets whether it's perimeter security uh, or pipelines this technology is now well understood and, and and well deployed um in terms of cities i think the the city itself presents a number of challenges um and part of that um is economic structure uh, and part of that is infrastructure so um if we just look at the infrastructure side of things we 're seeing a rapid rollout uh, of fiber optics through city areas over the last few years, partly driven um, by deployments of 5g where where the, uh, the the distance of the radio signal needs a much denser backhaul of that information through fiber optics so in some areas we 're seeing fiber optics down every street, every sidewalk um, and, and every corner, which is perfect for the sort of sensing that we 're talking about. Um, But the second part of that is where the fiber optic is laid. Is it being uh, passed through a sewer a few meters underground, um, or is it being trenched into the sidewalk or the roadway uh, a few centimeters below the surface? And I think what we obviously, if we're sensing vibration, um, perfection for us involves that fiber optic being placed in an area where the most usable and valuable vibration information can be picked up. And, and I think we would uh you know we're pushing to ensure that cities consider this and telcos consider this when they deploy the fiber uh, to to ensure that it's put in a place best for communication and for sensing uh, at, at the same time and i think um if we look economically one of the biggest problems facing cities today is is what they call the digital divide who has access to broadband Um, And who doesn't? It was a a lot of work through the pandemic uh, in North America and in the UK and I'm sure many other countries um, to ensure that uh, the children at school had uh, access to the broadband necessary uh, for their learning when they were all forced to remain at home for for months on end. And while there was significant effort to get laptops and computer computer power. Uh, into the hands of those children. Many of them didn't have access to the internet to connect it up to. And if you couple that with uh, the telco's drive to roll fibre to the home um, uh, to deliver these broadband services, you'll see decisions being taken on they will put that fibre where the homes have economic power to pay for the broadband connectivity. And so it, it, it continues to drive that digital Divide. Now, if we can provide cities with uh, a further monetization of those fibre optic networks that, that is driven by sensing the information they need to push analytics into their planning and real time monitoring of the efficiencies of a city, uh, you can envisage situations where fibre now comes to areas that is able, through other economic programmes, to deliver broadband to the homes that really need it to uh, to to enable. Um, not just uh, access for children uh, through learning tools uh, for that, but also ensuring that uh, those people who live in areas without that connectivity can do the remote working that we're talking about. It's very easy to talk about remote working and distributed virtual businesses, forgetting that some people don't have the facilities at home to enable them to do that, and that creates a further socioeconomic divide about the have and, and have nots that needs to be addressed.
0: We've talked about the use cases that uh, FUTEC addresses and the big challenges that cities face today. You've been in activity, FUTEC, what, about 10 years? Yeah. Um, and are present in 25 countries. I see also that you have over 40 patents. If you could share some of the best practices that you've seen some cities adopt with your technology
1: if we talk about existing cities utilizing this then then we have a number of problems that are, that I think cities are grappling with in all sorts of sensing areas for smart cities and it 's about connectivity um, and it's about coordinated thinking so um, if we take the connectivity point um, it's about being able to connect the information that comes. Uh, from the sensing around the city, many different types of sensors, and being able to port that into a central platform uh, that gives people the ability to, um, to to compare, coordinate, merge that information together to create valuable analytics. And I think that is, is is a problem that we see in any city that we talk to. So if we think of London, it's a very old city. Um, its utilities have been in place Um, in in some areas for more than 100 years. And deploying new technologies around the city is hard. Um, If we look at uh, some of the the new smart cities that are being built uh, from ground up, if we look at Neon in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, if we look at some of the plans that Toyota is talking about with their woven city, these are cities that are designed from scratch to be totally smart. You can put fiber optics in. You can put the sensing technology in where it's ready um, to, to be efficiently and effectively used for the sort of analytics that we're talking about. Let's
0: talk about some of your clients or some of your customers, if you could.
1: Uh, we're working very closely with Milton Keynes um, in the UK, which has a, uh, a smart test bed for various types of, of, of sensing. Um, and working with them to understand across different departments where the technology can bring benefit from the same fiber optic cable. So the easiest area to start is transportation. um, And we're working with them on monitoring, uh, initially, a a small section of roads within the city um, that can provide information for um, either real-time traffic flow and traffic congestion, but probably more importantly, for preventive uh, information around early maintenance intervention that can prevent major road closures when uh, when big problems happen. And I think the the issue that the cities then face is being being able to take information which is of value to different departments. Uh, so if we look at uh, information which could be put in in place from the fiber optic network for uh, transportation, improvement efficiency, and preventive maintenance programme. That same information from the same census could be used by police departments, uh, could be used by utility companies, could be used to improve parking information around the city. And these are all different departments. And how to connect those departments uh, to thinking with the same set of information, that I think is a problem that, that cities see uh, in terms of making a city smart, connecting uh, the the information from multiple different types of sensing. And then if we look at the economics um, and who is the economic buyer, we have initiatives uh, driven down from governments uh, about net zero, um, about improving uh, pollution in, in cities. We have the needs of the citizens, which is about improving the efficiency and protection and, and their movement, mobility around the cities. But who pays? Um ultimately, if the city is paying, it comes down to the pocket of the citizen uh, through some form of taxation. They've got to see value for that um, in a relatively short space of time. Um, and what we find is that city corporations tend to be capex rich and uh, opex poor. And so the areas where you really uh, see this beginning to work um think in the UK, uh, there's a couple of public-private partnerships, a good example in the Isle of Wight that's been running for the last eight years uh, with with Vinci, um, where it is the deployment of that technology which improves efficiencies and reducing costs for the provision of those services uh, that gives the drive to install and truly make the area smart. And I think that's an area, particularly with Milton Keynes, where if we can get the service providers and the city corporations and the telcos together, uh, that can be something which really drives the deployment of this technology.
0: What is your ideal uh, customer, the ideal persona at your customer? uh, And when that person approaches you, what is the question you're best able to answer?
1: That's a good question. I would say if if we're talking about smart cities, the the best customer to approach us um, is when we look at these uh, public private partnerships, where someone has managed to get to uh, the point of an operating company who has capital deployment at their uh, at, at their call um, and is able to see the benefit themselves through the services that they provide, and um, I think. Um, in terms of uh, being able to answer questions for them, um, the understanding of fiber optic sensing is that it can give so much information um, that it generally it catches people by surprise if if we um, if a customer comes to us and says, "Can you tell us where vehicles are moving around our city and what congestion rates are back a few um, monitoring and, and average velocity rates the answer is yes. What surprises them then um, is the vast array of other information that we can give them from the same sensors um, about the seismic information of the geophysical structure of the ground beneath the roads, uh, about information of particular vibrating assets that they may not have thought through. And so our conversations tend to lead uh, much deeper into um, what problems are you facing as a customer? And to what extent can the many different forms of vibration information, as you talked about earlier about with kind of listening how a city breathes, what value and where uh, in, in the problems that you face can we bring solutions? So what is Footex' solution? So what we're bringing to this, um, do, do we sell sensors? We can de- We can deploy fiber, but the benefit this technology has is the sensors are already there in the fiber optic infrastructure. What we provide is the technology that can make those sensors begin producing information. And then we provide the the software and technology platform that can bring that information together and connect it with other pieces of information and give people the platform enabling the analytics that allows them to make the decisions they need to make to drive efficiencies uh, into their city.
0: And your technology embeds artificial intelligence. Yes. You have a strategic partnership with BP. Can, can you talk a little bit about this?
1: Uh, yeah, BP is 100% um, owner of, of Fotech. So, so actually, they, they became um, interested in the company. They took a small equity stake um, about eight years ago uh, where our technology was being used to improve uh, efficiencies underground in the oil well. Uh, it was actually monitoring fracturing operations to keep those frack operations safe um, and to make them more effective and efficient. Um, through time, uh, BP Ventures um, were able to obviously see uh, as the company evolved and through another partner company uh, in the Launchpad organization um, further the use of acoustic sensing in the well and provide significant analytics and technology stack above that to provide valuable information. And that was where Hotek began moving its story further into the area of smart cities and efficiencies that we can bring um, into other areas. If you look at BP today, uh, a business that's very much driving itself forward with the reimagining energy story, recognizing um, the value that it needs to bring outside of the oil field in terms of uh, bringing efficiencies and smart solutions to, uh, to cities and regions, improving energy security, improving energy efficiencies, um, and ensuring the provision of energy in many different forms, whether that's about electric vehicle charging or uh, protecting distribution of energy in an effective way through cities. So we fit very much with BP's reimagining energy story, and as part of Launchpad, which is uh, the organization set up to, uh, to really drive extraordinary acceleration uh, of growth into the technologies that come either uh, spinning out of BP uh, or through the, the BP Ventures portfolio, really looking to deploy those uh, technologies in a way that moves BP forward as part of its reimagining energy.
0: Chris Shannon, Group CEO of FOTEC. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pierre. to subscribe to our instagram and facebook page if you want us to cover your smart city initiative do reach out all right that's it for today thanks for listening and we'll see you on our next episode